the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. It is Friday. That means that you can call about anything you would like. It's Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. You can call because you didn't make it in earlier this week if we didn't get to your phone call or a subject you weren't able to comment on but would like to today. You can call about a Bible question you've got. You want to talk about the news, we can talk about that. Anything at all. Today is your day, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA. Dot com. All right, as we begin, have you heard this that's going around? It's called COVID Amnesty, and a writer in The Atlantic has written an article. Her name is Emily Oster. She's a professor at uh, Brown University, and she says, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. Let's focus on the future and fix the problems we still need to solve. The idea is that if somebody was angry with you, if somebody uh, did something in the pandemic that or the city or the government or anybody did something that was there uh, that caused harm when they meant to cause it for good, or if they yelled at you, if they did a bunch of stuff to you that turned out to be uh, rude or and they turned out to be wrong about whatever, that we should just have amnesty. We should just sort of leave it behind. And I'll share more about that. Do you think we should have a pandemic amnesty? meaning that whatever errors we made during the pandemic, we should just leave it behind and move forward. She's not exactly saying that, but that's the way it's being uh, received by a lot of people. It's blowing up on social media, and people are not liking the idea. Do you remember when Emily Oster posted that article in The Atlantic declaring a pandemic amnesty, saying that we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID? Yeah, this is your reminder. They're not asking for your forgiveness. They're publicly forgiving themselves. <laughs> I'll see myself out. That, that's a TikTok user who's saying that's just basically the uh, the tenor of the comments online uh, for the most part. Did you have an experience you know, during COVID that was uh, during the shutdowns, especially where you know, you were just sort of called out for doing something, but eventually you turned out to be actually right. That's kind of the idea. She says this. She said, you know, and she gives some examples of it in the article uh, about getting yelled at. She wanted to bring back schools sooner than they came back and that she was told she was a teacher killer, a student killer. You know, were you told that? A lot of people were said, you know, you're murdering people. And I, I want to take it seriously. Her point is that in the beginning of it, we didn't know a lot of stuff. So people were on different sides, and we didn't really know what was true. Uh, I tend to think, you know, being from California, we just had a different experience than a lot of the country, because a lot of the country did open up a lot sooner than us. And, you know, we experienced something different. I'll never forget my mother. She lives in Arizona. And, you know, I was telling her she was going to come out and visit and she was telling I was telling her all the stuff that we had to do put on the masks and schools are closed and uh, you can't do this churches like this all those different things <laughs> and my mom said 
in all seriousness, she said, you need to move to Arizona. We're a free state. <laughs> That's what she said. And I've never forgotten. It's the way she said it, that it wasn't just her telling a joke. She meant it. It's like, we're, And then I went to Arizona to go visit, and I was stunned. There was there was a sign on the door. I stopped for gas in Yuma because that's what you do if you're driving to Arizona and uh, you stop. As soon as you get over the border, what do you do? You get gas because it's half the cost. I figured out one time that I could drive. I was in San Diego, but I, I could drive to Yuma, fill up on a tank of gas and drive all the way back. And it would be cheaper than filling up in San Diego. Like if you had the time, you got to have the time to drive back and forth and the wear and tear in your vehicle, probably not really cheaper, but the price of gas would be actually cheaper. Uh, do you feel like we should just forget what happened. What's the difference maybe between forgetting and forgiving and forgetting? Should we just forget what went on there? Because I think there's still probably some areas where people disagree. But we do know that a lot of things we did probably caused more harm. In time, we learned some things. Other, other states seem to learn that faster. I get bugged because I think some of it most of us knew a few months into it that this isn't doing any good. Why are we still doing this? I was in Costco today, and I and, and I was in a Costco in uh, in Burbank. I was in Costco in Burbank, and I, about twenty five percent of the people in there were wearing masks. And I thought that's a lot of people in here wearing masks. It's probably the neighborhood, and probably you know a reason for that, but. Do we believe that that really is helping with the COVID? No, there's some other stuff going on, the RSV for kids. There's another problem, I guess, is that because the kids weren't in school, we'll talk about this on another episode, but because the kids weren't in school, this uh, respiratory virus, that's a common virus, but normally you sort of get it and you get to be immune by it. Well, people haven't had it for a couple of years. And because we were locked down, we uh, the mask probably helped prevent that to a certain extent. And the kids haven't got it. So kids are just sick. My kids are telling me kids are just dropping like flies because they're sick with stuff that they normally would have gotten. There's all this weird stuff. So she writes this. She goes, we have to put the fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. We can leave out the willful, willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice to make but make with imperfect knowledge. Los Angeles County, for example, closed its beaches in the summer of 2020. Ex post facto, this makes no more sense than my family's masked hiking trip. She told a story earlier in the article uh, where she would go on a hike with her family during the initial shutdown and they would take off their masks. But if somebody was walking by them, they would put their mask back on. And one time one of her kids didn't put their mask on and this person yelled social distancing uh, to that person. And her argument is, at the time, we didn't really know. You know, today we know that probably, according to her article, probably nobody got COVID because they went on a hike and didn't wear a mask. Um, What she's saying is that we need to learn from our mistakes, but then let them go. And that we need to forgive the attacks, too, she says. Um, She says, because I thought schools should reopen and argued that the kids as a group were not at a high risk. I was called a teacher killer and... A a genocidaire, meaning, I guess, what does that word mean? Genocide. Um, She's committing a genocide of these people. It wasn't pleasant, but feelings were high, and I certainly don't need to dissect and rehash the time for the rest of my days. Moving on is crucial now because the pandemic, she writes, created many problems that we still need to solve. Uh, Do we need an amnesty? Did you ever have an experience one way or the other? I saw people getting yelled at for different things, right? I saw... You know, I got yelled at once at the beach for not wearing a mask. And the funny part was I didn't know that I was being yelled at. 
uh, and no one was wearing a mask. That was the weird part. And so I'm standing there and I'm just enjoying the waves and, and I'm close enough where the waves are sort of crashing on these rocks and I could feel the mist hitting my face. I was enjoying it. And I'm hearing this buzzing somewhere outside of my head and I finally realize somebody is yelling. And I turn and look and there's a, a lady who is yelling and it took me a minute to realize she's yelling at me. <laughs> Because I realize she's yelling at somebody about masks, and then I realize she's yelling at me for not wearing a mask. And then I looked around and I said, nobody has a mask on. And at that time, there was zero people wearing a mask on the beach. And, you know, and she wasn't wearing it, you know, which I thought was interesting. She was carrying it. She had it with her. She took it off probably to yell at me. And I think a lot of us had that experience. But I was in Huntington Beach. I wasn't going to name the town. I was going to say it was a town named after a guy named Huntington. But uh, I was in Huntington Beach. And there was a guy going in all the shops and yelling at all the people who were wearing masks. And I mean, he was, he was literally, I watched this happen. He was going door to door, you know, downtown Huntington Beach, great place there. Place there called the Sugar Shack, I think is what it's called, breakfast place, fantastic. Um, you guys should sponsor our program. So this guy's going in and out, the, all these doors. And he is literally getting in the face of anybody wearing a mask and telling them that they're just bad people, that they're, you know, it was, it was, the, it was kind of shocking because it's the opposite of what I had experienced in just about everywhere else. How do we move on from that? Have, have, have you moved on? I think a lot of us have kind of moved on. It's still lingering, right? And especially in uh, Southern California, you know, we are wondering a little bit about whether or not there's going to be some kind of new restriction as those numbers come up. They really should wear the mask. See, that was just last summer in San Diego schools. And, um, you know, we were close in uh, Los Angeles County to putting the mask back on. And you might have an opinion about whether or not we should. And I think that's one of the things coming out of this is the next time public health officials tell us to put on masks or tell us to social distance or or do whatever. Um, I don't think we're going to do it for the most part. And the danger is, well, what if we should? Right. The danger is we've lost trust. Uh, the danger is, is that the next time we're told something like this, uh, which maybe we'll be told right after the election, depending on how that goes. Right. I think a lot of this uh, depends on how things turn out on Tuesday, probably. Um, and how the numbers go. Uh, you know, is this something that is a, a big deal? And how does it deal with forgiveness? Is there a difference in a greater sense of looking at this between forgiving and forgetting? When you forgive somebody, do you have to forget? How does that work? How does forgiveness work? Um, in the, We often say forgive and forget. Forgetting is harder. And well, sometimes forgiveness is harder, but you know, forgetting means if you really forget, then somehow you've put it out of your mind. Is that really required? And how do we move on to make sure that the next time we have a crisis, we, we do things in a way that public trust doesn't go away, where we also don't get after each other? Uh, it can be pretty rough out there. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Two five five seven. I get a text from uh, uh, a listener who says there should be no amnesty for the companies and organizations that fired people because they were not vaccinated. Um, I happen to agree with that. I've told you about my friend who's a nurse, and she was just fired a couple of months ago, and she was fired. And this is this is how this goes. She was she got her vaccination, and she got her booster. 
She got two shots and then a booster. She refused the second booster. And she got fired uh, for doing that. And she refused because she, even as a professional, doesn't think it's, it should be necessary. She didn't feel like she should take it. And this person, by the way, this person was in the front lines of the COVID. This person was in the emergency room, in the hospital where lots of people were sick and dying of COVID at its height. Okay, so remember when uh, it was, we were all locked down, and then every night, if you were in a city somewhere, uh, people start flicking their lights off and on and shouting out the window basically as a way to say thank you to all the healthcare workers who were risking their lives for the sake of the rest of us. You know, and many of them did. She's one of these people that she went to the hospital every night had to work with people. She had to put on a spacesuit. I call it the spacesuit, but it's the, you know, it's the medical stuff that you put on and try to prevent. Uh, it's more than just the mask and gown, right? It's a, it's a total head covering. And it's, I've had to put this on before when I visited people who have severe pneumonia or something that's communicable. And she got fired. And she was a hero just a year before. And then she got fired. It infuriates me that this happened to her. Uh, she deserves to get her job back, especially the things that we're, we're learning today, that there are so many things that, you know, and people aren't getting that, uh, the booster shots. Have you gotten one? Uh, statistically speaking, you haven't. My kids, we get to a new pediatrician. We're going to get another pediatrician. Now, I'm not against, I'm not against the vaccinations if you want to get them. I think especially if you're older, you know, there's some statistics about it that are important. Not, I'm not doing that, and I want you to know that. But right now, should I give it to my, my 10-year-old? Uh, 2% of people have done it for kids, I think, under 5. I think it's less than uh, 20% for kids who are uh, 11 to 15. Uh, people aren't doing it. Parents aren't doing it. And this pediatrician was upset with us when we said no. And we're not anti-vax. We don't have some agenda with it. We're just like, no, we think this hasn't been tested. We know it hasn't been tested. We don't think he's going to get sick and die of the COVID. And uh, we're not going to do it. We don't feel like that's necessary. We're going to get another pediatrician. Um, and maybe we're the ones who are wrong, but I don't think so. I think that's in, uh, I think that's where a lot of people think. What do you think about this? Do you think that there should be amnesty given for organizations or governments in particular who fired people for not getting the uh, fired people for not getting the uh, vaccine. 888-528-2557. In the city of New York, uh, Supreme Court is making the city rehire sanitation workers and uh, give them back pay. They were fired for not getting the vaccine. And the reason, though, that the court decided that is because the city of New York required this of all city workers, but they made exceptions for people. They made exceptions for people who might be working for the city who happen to be in the theater district or who happen to work at sporting events or other things. And the court basically said, you don't really believe this is a public health issue because you made exceptions for people. If you didn't make exceptions for people, it might be different. But because you made exceptions for people, that leads us to conclude this is a political issue and not a public health issue. It's a scathing report, a scathing decision from a New York judge. Do cities, should, should organizations who uh, fired people for not getting the vaccine, should they, we just forget about that? I think the big deal for us is that we can't forget. I think you do have to move on. I think that you have to move forward. But forgetting is a different thing. Because if you forget, then you're just going to do it again. 
You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and the number is 888-528-2557. She, we're, list, we're going through an article called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. Let's focus on the future and fix the problems we still need to solve by Emily Oster. She's arguing that we should forgive and forget people who yelled at us, people who fired us, people who called us murderers, people who locked up old people. And that also infuriates me. Now, I'm, I'm for public health. I know that most people who died of the COVID were older and the, st- the numbers are bad. It's about 1% of, I think, everybody over 65 or 70, 1% died of the COVID. And I know people who died of COVID is terrible. And I know that it was a lot of older folks, but what we did for months, even after it was unnecessary, even after the vaccine came out and everybody was getting it, we locked people in the rooms. A man I know who's a a veteran who loved Jesus, loved his country. This is a guy who went out every day and hoisted a flag on his uh, front yard. He had a flagpole in his front yard. And every morning at dawn, he went outside and he lifted the flag up up his flagpole. And every day at sunset, he'd bring it down. And sometimes the neighbors would come out and participate in his little ceremony. And he was the funnest guy. And he had great stories uh, about things. He was a a big, uh, big fan of Fellowship of Christian Athletes and uh, just a a wonderful guy altogether. And, uh, you know, you know, he would take me to lunch and he'd take me, you know, a hundred miles away for lunch, so I had to really schedule the day you know, that way. And he would drive, uh, which meant it take us three years to get there. And I would be glad I didn't die on the way there, but we would go to lunch. Anyway, he got locked up in his convalescent home. He started you know, getting older, and I called him regularly. And over the course of just a few months, uh, he declined. Now, it's possible that he was going to decline anyway. He was an older guy in his 80s. But he was not allowed to see his family. They lived nearby. He was only allowed to go to the window and wave to them, and he could talk with them on the phone. But he wasn't allowed to leave his room. They delivered his meals to his room, and he spent the last year of his life in a tiny little room about the size of a typical hotel room, not allowed to leave, very rarely able to get out, not able to hug his grandkids, not able to. And at this point, I think we had moved past thinking this was really necessary. We can't do that again. We cannot do this to people that their their last point in life. And you know, I had some, another couple of my church. They were in their nineties. They fortunately were not in a convalescent hospital. They're still alive. In fact, they're probably still listening. And you know who you are. You know, I said, "How do you feel about this?" And they said, "We're not going to live our last couple of years of life just locked up in our mobile home." We're going to go out, and if we get the COVID and die, well, that's what God has planned. And I don't think it's irresponsible when you're in your 90s to to say we're just not going to lock ourselves up. We can't do this again, my friends. We can't. I do believe in the forgiving. You know, if somebody treated you poorly or even called you a murderer for your point of view, mask on or mask off or whatever it is, and they, you know, you got to forgive people. Jesus commands us to forgive people. And you do that. But as a matter of public policy, this can't happen the next time we have some kind of pandemic. We have to think about this in a better way. I think this is on the ballot. Can I say that? We're going to get to the uh, uh, to the absurdity of the week when we come back after our break. And uh, 
And I say that uh, thinking of, of this, but I think this is on the ballot in the people that you're voting for, particularly local officials. What is going to be taught in our schools coming up? Your school board election matters. Who are the people who are going to be the health officials the next time? I think it matters. Make sure that you're thinking about these things when you vote. Public policy matters. And the reason I think it goes sideways so much is because sometimes people in public service, they just get themselves in a little bubble and they don't realize the damage that things are, that are that's being caused out there. I think the thing missing from this article is that nobody says they're sorry. Nobody, there's no, you know, you should forgive somebody even if they don't say they're sorry. But if you did something that was wrong, if you made a mistake, you got to say, I'm sorry. Imagine the respect that Dr. Fauci would get from a lot of people who don't give him respect now. If he would just say, you know, I got it wrong on these issues and we really shouldn't have been wearing masks for so long and we shouldn't have shut down the school. He's tried to back off of it and everything. But whatever his role was or whatever people perceive his role to be, I think that he would do well to just say, hey, we got to look at this. And I'm sorry that we might have made the wrong call. We did the best we could. Like him or not, I think that you would, that he would be respected. That's something for each of us to think about in our life, that it's not just enough to ask people to forgive you and to walk on and to walk away from it. You got to say you're sorry. You got to acknowledge fault. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, open line Friday, 888-528-2557. I'll have the absurdity of the week as soon as we return. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back as the Friday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. The midterm elections are on Tuesday, and we have a tough decision ahead. On the one hand, our democracy is being threatened by extremists who want power at all costs, even if it means burning us to the ground. On the other hand, gas is $4 a gallon now. So uh, (laughs) this is the time when campaigns pull out all the stops. That was a late night host, Jimmy Kimmel, who is repeating what is the absurdity of the week, which you've heard from very a lot of people this week, that uh, democracy is in danger. It's on the ballot that if you vote for uh, the uh, party, they don't want you to. Uh, in this case, if you vote Republican, then uh, there's no more democracy. That It's gone. It's completely gone. Here he is again. The midterm elections are on Tuesday, and we have a tough decision ahead. On the one hand, our democracy is being threatened by extremists who want power at all costs, even if it means burning us to the ground. On the other hand, gas is $4 a gallon now. So uh, <laughs> this is the time when campaigns pull out all the stops. And he's not the only one with that talking point. This is late night host Trevor Noah. This election is about whether America wants to continue being a democracy. Is that what this election is about? that we're voting on whether or not we want to continue being a democracy. Is that actually what's on the ballot? This election is about whether America wants to continue being a democracy. All right. And that's actually a tough sell, believe it or not. It really is. Because ironically, democracy isn't what's on people's minds right now. Right. People are paying more for groceries. They pay more for gas. All right. And Democrats are going, yeah, we know that sucks, but democracy and voters are like, can I eat democracy? All right. I need to know, is democracy on the ballot? 888-528-2557. I've looked through several ballots of different counties and different cities, and I have not seen democracy on the ballot, except for the fact that it's a ballot and we'll be voting. And it looks like more people are going to vote in this midterm than did in the 2018 midterm. 
And I feel like that is democracy, that the the fact that we're having an election is democracy. 888-528-2557. How do you feel about this? I think that um, this is a this is obviously a talking point. President Biden, we went over that earlier this week. He is trying to make that the issue. I don't get it as far as it being an issue. I understand that there are election deniers. I understand that there might be people later this week. We've talked about this the last couple of days that um, might not like the result. And there are things that are going on in some states. I think we're going to see it in Pennsylvania. Um, that's going to take forever to count their votes. Benjamin, Benjamin Netanyahu just became the prime minister again of Israel. A third time he's been elected. He's been elected, ousted, elected, ousted, and then prosecuted and then elected again. Uh, how about that? And something I noticed is that they had a national vote and they counted the ballots and the next day they know who won. Uh, we're going to see that in Florida. We'll see that in most states this uh, Tuesday, but some states is going to take days. I don't understand that in, in our country today, but I think some of the problem is going to be that as long as it takes days, that's where people start to wonder if the election is valid, especially if over the course of those days, whoever is in the lead changes, right? People have questions about that kind of thing. I think it's the absurdity of the week, though. And I I think that to say, to to use this kind of scare tactic... And that's what it is. I think you need to address our elections, and we've talked about that. There's there's a lot that needs to be done here by leadership. But to say that democracy on the ballot, it's not just late-night people, okay? This is Congressman Jim Clyburn earlier today. It's what happens in a country that follows what happened in Germany uh, in the early 30s. And I'm, I, I said this in 2018 and caught a lot of hell from a lot of people for having said it. But I, it was true then and it's true now. This country is on track to repeat what happened in Germany when it was the greatest democracy going, elected a chancellor who then co-opted the media that this past president uh, calling the press the enemy of the people. That is a bunch of crap, and we know it. And that's what's going on in this country. There we go. So uh, uh, he uses the uh, the Hitler analogy. Do you know what Godwin's Law is? Uh, Godwin's Law is a university professor named Godwin came up with it. It means this, is that whenever a Hitler comparison is made, um, it says that whenever there is a, a Internet discussion or a conversation about politics, it's only a matter of time before somebody makes a Hitler comparison. That's Godwin's law, that you can count on it, that you can count on it, that when somebody doesn't really have a good argument, basically, that eventually this principle says that they will eventually refer to Hitler in some way as their opponent. (laughs) Are we, is this, is the United States, we've got problems, not saying there's no problems. Are we really becoming 1930s Germany if Donald Trump, who apparently says uh, the rumors are he's going to announce next week, the week after next that he's running for president. Uh, I don't know if that's really true. That's what people say. Um, Are we becoming, if that happens, if we vote Republican, if uh, we elect Donald Trump again, is Donald Trump going to invade Canada and Mexico? Uh, Are we going to actually take people off the street and imprison them and uh, torture them? We're going to have concentration camps. Is that what's going to happen here? What is that really what we're saying? Well, we got to have some evidence then about this. You know, I, a long time ago, I kind of thumbed through Donald Trump's book, uh, The Art of the Deal, 
And I think most of it, it was the art of Donald Trump. I don't know if he's read it. The art of the deal is basically this. It's basically, hey, if you want a good deal, then what you need to do is make an offer that's wildly out of bounds, way, way bigger than you really would ever do. And you know that they're going to come back with a counter offer and that what you want to do is make sure that the real offer that you want, the real deal you want is what you end up with. So you offer something that's wildly unacceptable first and get people to negotiate down to the point where it's the deal you wanted in the first place. Uh, that's kind of the Donald Trump method that works for some people. Maybe it's worked for him. Maybe it hasn't. I don't know. Uh, I read that. I didn't read anything about invading other countries and I didn't read anything about in, you know, incarcerating certain people to groups or other things like that. Whatever you think about Donald Trump. You know, I don't like the Hitler, any, any Hitler comparison because they're not Hitler. You know, if Donald Trump or some other person is a really bad, evil person who has evil plans, well, then we should pay attention to them and what they're saying. Um, Hitler wrote a book. It was called uh, Mein Kampf. I do not recommend it. I took a class where I had to read it. And that guy was insane. And he hated Jewish people for no reason, but he wrote about it. It wasn't secret. It wasn't some kind of private dog whistle that people had to come up with to figure out where Hitler was. No, they knew about it. They knew what he was going to do, and they voted for him. And it's a whole different system. And coming out of World War I, you know, I think we've got things that we should be worried about. I think that we should be worried about the whole concept today of there being more than one truth, because there's not more than one truth. The idea that you can have your truth and I can have my truth, that's crazy. And the problem with that is that it's not ontologically true, meaning that there is a reality and reality is persistent. And if you try to live in a world that's not connected to reality, eventually it's going to hit you in the face and it's going to hurt. And uh, I think that we see a lot of people doing that today. I think that's a I think that's a big part of the danger of what's happening with the um, the movement that we have to uh, trans transgender kids with puberty blockers to block puberty. So you have to give them the drugs before they enter puberty puberty to make them a medical patient for life, to potentially have surgeries to remove breasts and genitals. It's happening in most of our children's hospitals across the country. There's a whole division for it, including right here in Southern California. Uh, that's not reality. Reality is in years later, and you're seeing more and more people come forward who have transitioned at, year, at uh, young ages, uh, the reality is um, people grow out of that most of the time and people get over some of the things that they're dealing with with gender dysphoria. Some people don't. There's there's a conversation to be had there, but most people move to a different place. And we are going to have such a national catastrophe on that issue uh, if we keep going the way that we're going. Those things we have to worry about. I think if we're going to be concerned about our democracy or our country in whatever way, uh, it's not because we're electing Republicans or Democrats. It's because of the idea that we're not paying attention to what actually is true. It's the idea that we have, as a nation, rejected what is ultimately true. And I would tell you, as a believer, that rejecting God, rejecting who God is, rejecting Genesis 1 through 3, as we've talked about, that's why we have a problem. That's why things are crazy. Because if you get rid of Genesis 1 through 3, then there's no, uh, there's no evil. There's no creator. There is no rights that come from a creator. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, those come from government, which means they can be taken away by government. 
You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can call 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, it's open line Friday. Anything that you would like to talk about, we will take your call. I got a couple of messages in from the previous segment. Um, one person, Valerie, is writing that she and her husband were both fired from their jobs because they uh, weren't vaccinated. And the way they feel about it is that's tyranny and unconstitutional. And uh, I think they're right. You never should have been fired for that, especially knowing what we know now. Right. The the rationale, the rationale for forcing people to get the vaccination is that you are going to, if you get the vaccination, then you are unable to pass the coronavirus on to other people at work. And if you don't get the vaccination, then you're going to be a hotbed of a virus and you're going to pass it along and maybe kill people that you work with. Well, we found out pretty quick that the these shots do not prevent uh, the vaccine from being passed from you to somebody else. At that point, all all mandates should have been gone. The rationale for it was completely gone. And some legal cases are moving throughout the country. I think there needs to be more. I'm real sorry that happened to you, uh, Valerie, and uh, and other people. We have to remember that the next time the government is forcing us to do something. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. I've got a couple of emails, too, that I will go through after the break. You can give me a call, 888-528-2557, or you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back as the Friday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. All right, welcome back. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. It's Open Line Friday. And I just want to let you know, we we had a technical problem. I wasn't seeing your calls on the screen, so I'm sorry about that. I'm going to try to get to your calls here as fast as I can. A couple of you hold, were on hold for a long time. Tony, I happen to see you. You dropped off. You've been on hold for like a half an hour. Sorry about that. Give us a call back. Uh, thanks for listening. Let's go to Lawrence in Whittier. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Hi, Lawrence. Thanks for holding thanks, so long. No worries. Uh, just on your topic of is democracy on the ballot, um, I find it really distressing to hear that uh, there is a movement in the mainstream media to taboo one political party. I think that is further di- dividing Americans. And growing up in Southern California, I've seen this state really go in the wrong direction in the last couple decades. So honestly, um, I don't think it's taboo to think things are going in the wrong direction. I think they have been. And I think that people do have a voice and the right to exercise it. All right. Thank you very much for your call, uh, Lawrence. I think that, um, uh, you know, a lot of people are feeling that. And we talked about that a bit yesterday. The Wall Street Journal has an opinion piece out today that's that's really good. And it's similar to what I had to say yesterday. Obviously, they stole it from our show uh, about the pages missing from Biden's speech the other night and the idea that he left out all the stuff about his party denying elections and other stuff and that it would have been a much better speech. It would have been much more unifying, maybe more appropriate, if he would point out, look, there are people on all sides who are denying elections. There's violence on all sides. I pointed out yesterday, 75 um, pregnancy counseling centers have been attacked since the Roe versus Wade decision was leaked last May. 75. 
Um, those are that's a huge story and online threats, all kinds of stuff. There's stuff on on both sides that is pretty bad, and an awful lot of it actually is coming from the left. And the mistake is to say it's just one sided, and that's part of the absurdity of democracy being on the ballot. And if you don't vote for my party, then democracy is in jeopardy. That actually is probably the most scary statement being made out there, in my opinion. All right, 888-528-2557. Gene in El Monte, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, hi, Scott. Gene, thanks for holding so long. I have three things to say. Yes, I was fired from my job as a teacher. I was a sub-teacher. I I taught for years. I was retired, but... uh, yeah, the school district fired me. Because, because you wouldn't get a vaccine or you wouldn't wear a mask or what was it? No, because I wouldn't get a vaccine. Okay. The other thing, okay, but that's another issue. The COVID vaccine. Uh, yes. And and then the other thing I wanted to say is, yeah, I didn't go to, I went to a party recently, not a party, but a gathering for somebody who died, not of COVID or something else. And we all got together like a month ago or maybe two months ago as teachers. And all of a sudden when I left, it was like, because I had, mentioned I wasn't vaxxed because they were talking about something. I don't know. And all of a sudden, the buzzword went around. Everybody was texting, oh, how could she show up at this party? You know, how could she show up and and not be vaccinated? That's very selfish of her. And then the other thing I wanted to say. Was that was that recent or was that a while ago? Two months ago. See, it kind of amazes me that people still say that, actually. Oh, they're very ignorant. And then uh, I just want to say my sister and I. She doesn't talk to me anymore because um, I made my comment that, you know, I didn't, I, I know I, I shouldn't have said this, but I was upset when the Democrats threw the, the poop on that Korean guy's this, uh, door, I don't know, front door. This was years ago. I don't know, three, four years ago. And I said, how dare they do something like that? I, and I shouldn't have said this, but I said I could shoot people like that. And of course, I was ousted out of my sister. So I never, she won't talk to me. All the Democrat people in San Diego who live there, hope you hear this, they don't talk to me. Well, I'm sorry about that, Gene. I'm sorry that that's happening to you. I want to get some other calls. But, you know, we we can't ostracize each other for differences of opinion. And we do have to – we've got to forgive each other, but we've got to live outside of our our bubble and um, and really pay attention to to what's current on that. A lot more to say, but I want to get to your calls. You've been on hold for a long time. Kelly in Riverside, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Hi, Scott. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Hi. I like, um, first, I like what you said about um, when you forgive, um, if you forget, then you're likely to, re- it's likely to be repeated. So that was really awesome. And, and when you forgive somebody, sometimes it takes months and months and months or years, depending on the offense, but we're called to forgive. And when we do forgive, it's mostly for us. And um, it's not justifying the people who wronged us. It's not giving them a green light or acting like it's okay of what was done to us or somebody that we love. So, and when you don't forgive, as we've all heard, it's like drinking the poison. You're drinking the poison waiting for them to die and they're not losing any sleep or anything. Yeah. you got to forgive. Yeah. And it's hard, but God gives us the strength to do it. And um, we can't expect apologies from people who aren't um, believers because it's his kindness inside of us that um, allows us to really say you're sorry. And if somebody says, I apologize, they don't really mean it. They have to say they're sorry. 
in my personal opinion. But it, it's impossible without the without Jesus to do that. So Fauci and all those people who were who can't say they admit that they were wrong, it's because they don't have the love of God in them yet. But we could pray for them. All right, Kelly. You know, I'm not really sure where they are. You know, in their faith. But um, you know, when we when we when we say that we're sorry and when we forgive other people. Um, part of the reason to do that as Christians is because we are passing along the forgiveness of Christ that he gave us. And, you know, I don't think that you have to, you know, forgive and forget. We were talking about this. If you're just joining us, you can give me a call, 888-528-2557, Southern California Live. The early part of our program this hour, we were talking about an article in The Atlantic that is saying we need a amnesty for the pandemic, a pandemic amnesty, basically to let people go who might have uh, created these policies to fire people for not getting the vax or not wearing a mask or not following those policies or people who yelled at you or ostracized you. And social media is blowing up about it. And uh, I and part of it is because there's no apology in there, though. There isn't, hey, I'm sorry I yelled at you. <laughs> you know, um, That is something that matters so much. But forgiveness matters. And, you know, I think in time when there's genuine forgiveness, uh, you tend to forget. I had somebody come to my office uh, a few years ago and she was going through a 12-step program, and she was in the making amends stage. And she came to apologize to me. I had no idea what she was even talking about. I didn't remember whatever she did. It's just, I don't even, I even said, I'm not even sure this is me you're talking about. Uh, she was pretty convinced. You know, we can forget, and that's okay. You know, maybe if whatever she did, I did forgive her in my heart, and that's why I forgot. Um, but she still felt the need to address it. And you do have to address the problems that uh, come about. All right, uh, Hank in West Covina, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, thank you. This is Hank. I, I guess I'm just kind of partially venting because for the last couple of years I've, I've been uh, fruitlessly uh, uh, calling Sacramento and gone in person to the county, LA County Board of Supervisors meetings and, and calling the local water agencies to find out who's got jurisdiction over the LA River because the water just dumps in the ocean right there by uh, in Long Beach next to the Catalina Express. And we're in a drought, and I'm just trying to find out who who's in charge of the L.A. River. And, I, and it's amazing that nobody knows nothing. So if there's any listeners that might know, that'd be really cool to find out, because I'd like to find out why water's just being dumped in the ocean. All right, Hank. Thank you for your call on that. Hank wants to know, why is uh, the water in the L.A. River just going right in the ocean uh, when we have a drought? You know, I think that ultimately leads to the whole question about whether we should have desalination plants, right? Because even if that water goes in the ocean, that's fine if we have the desalination plants to uh, have water. There's one in Oceanside, provides 10% now of the water in uh, San Diego County. Um, Los Angeles recently rejected one, but now they're going back and taking a look at doing it again. Um, For sure, it seems to me that you know, the drought would be a lot easier to deal with if we would acknowledge that we live right next to the largest body of water in the universe. Charles in Woodland Hills, welcome to Southern California Live. Mr. Farrell, thank you very much. How are you? I'm good, Charles. Thanks for holding and calling us at Southern California Live. Everything that you're talking about, especially when you mentioned the truth, uh, you know, different truths and things, you know, and we all know, well, at least believers know where where the actual truth is. But whenever I hear about these things, I'm always drawn to uh, Romans uh, 1, uh, 28, where since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up to a based mind or reprobate mind, which ought not to be done. 
And also that uh, it talks about at the end where it says, regard Russian decrees that these practice such things deserve to die. But they uh, they not only do them, but get a, give approval to those who practice them. So, I th- you know, it just seems that that's where we're at right now. And, and a debased mind, from my understanding, is, is that you're, you're no longer able to to even decipher the truth or tell what is good from from evil anymore. You know, yeah, I you, don't, think, you don't have that ability. You know, Charles, I appreciate your call on that, and uh, you'll be our last call for today. But uh, thank you for calling Southern California Live. You know, sometimes people wonder if God is punishing us for our our sins, and we ask those questions once in a while. You know, part of what the Scripture tells us is that actually what God does is He lets us do our sins, and the punishment is what happens. Uh, when he gives us over to a depraved mind, and we continue to sin, and we think it's not going to harm us, but it creates tremendous harm. Whatever sin touches dies, and uh, that's why we need a Savior, ultimately, so that we can live forever uh, by faith in him and have our sins cleansed and be righteous before God. All right, friends, uh, thanks for calling. Sorry about the technical glitches. If you didn't give a get in uh, today, you can always email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I can't always respond to those emails right away, but I'll get to them, and uh, they are all read. I appreciate that very much. Hey, you know, I hope that you have a great weekend. And uh, it's it's uh, I've heard a little bit maybe about rain coming in the beginning part of next week, but it looks like we're going to have a pretty good weekend. And I want to thank you for listening and always being a part of our program. Election Day is on Tuesday. Don't forget to vote. And if you got your ballot at home, like we've been saying, start from the back. Take some time this weekend and Google those people who are running for school board and some of those smaller offices that maybe we tend to ignore. It matters. It matters greatly. Um, who wins those elections. And I think if enough of us vote and we're paying attention, we're going to make a big impact on our schools, a big impact on a generation of kids who need us to turn some things around. I think God would have us do that because he cares about the kids. Everybody, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I will see you next week. Have a fantastic weekend. God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.